Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time of the day it is you're listening to this program. Welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff, and it's a victory Friday as the Eagles last night took care of business and defeated the Vikings 34-28. to And yeah, it's time for me to pat myself on the back because in my prediction show, I predicted that this final game, or excuse me, the final score would be the Eagles 33, the Vikings 30. Pretty damn on the spot prediction, wouldn't you say? I I would say so. Uh, So we're going to definitely talk about the game and you know, the thumbs up and the thumbs down and certainly some game um, notes that I took that I certainly wanted to discuss because I think there's a lot that we learned last night, a lot that uh, can be concerning, a lot of positives. Uh, so, you know, I want to talk about all of it as we get into it a little bit further. Before I do, let me drop that uh, email So you can contact the show and uh, let us know your thoughts on the game. You can do that at uh, petwgp at gmail.com. Again, email us at the show at petwgp at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the game. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll definitely, uh, uh, you know, potentially even talk about your comments on the show or on a future show. All right. So welcome to the program, and uh, interesting game last night. I think it played out, at least from my perspective, I never really thought, even when the Vikings were rallying, that they were ever really in the game. I think that the final score is not indicative of just how much the Eagles dominated that game, especially on the lines. I mean... When the Eagles want to run the ball, it's almost like nobody could stop them. And, you know, I have definitely some criticisms that I want to get into. Again, some of them just, as you know, I was very hard on Brian Robinson in the Patriots game for the play calling. And and I was irate in the first quarter, uh, even into the second quarter. Uh, So on the one hand, I was like, dude, somebody else called these plays because I mean, this guy was calling more vanilla plays than they did in the preseason games. I, I just, I don't understand what's going on with Brian Johnson and his play call. Uh, I think it definitely needs to be addressed and it needs to be fixed. I think that's part of the problem with his offense is the play calling itself. I don't even know if it's really the players. I think it's, well, let me back up on that. It's, it's definitely the players too but I don't know if it's because the players just can't get into a rhythm because of play calling or if they're also struggling. And we'll talk about Hertz in a moment because, you know, he's – I have some concerns about Hertz um, two games into the season. But now, as I say that about Brian Johnson, I have to also give him credit or Sirianni credit because I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes or on the sidelines. But he decided to run the ball. 
And once the Eagles did that, the game turned. And the offense obviously got going. And then it opened up things for, like, Devontae Smith a couple times downfield and almost A.J. Brown a couple times down the field. You know, he was close to catching uh, one or two himself. That was just a little bit overthrown. But uh, – and one he may have been interfered with as well. That was kind of a – I don't know. I'm okay with letting that call go. I thought it was close enough where I'm not going to, you know, complain about it. I mean, I I always put myself on the other side too and thinking, well, if that was called – if that was not called against the Eagles defense, you know, how would you feel? Would it be good coverage? Yeah, I mean – I thought that it was close, close enough to flag them, but also one of those plays that's so close. I don't like when they flag everything on, on defensive uh, cornerbacks. So I'm okay with them letting that one go, quite honestly. Um, on the A.J. Brown potential touchdown. Um, I'm not sure if A.J. would have caught the ball either. Not sure. I think it was a little bit overthrown. Anyway, uh, so let me start off and talk about Hurts. Uh, you know, I think it's just assumed, and even by myself, that Hertz is just going to take another step forward this year. And although, as I say that, I did always say many times that I have a concern over the changeover of offensive coordinators, as well as defensive coordinator. But in this case, we'll stick to offensive coordinator because we're talking about Hertz, and you know the impact that that could have on the offense. And so this is where I'm not sure, although I think it's a combination of both, really, uh, as far as why this offense is just not firing on all cylinders now for the second straight game, and especially in the passing game. I mean, obviously in the running game, we got that going. I mean, that was quite quite on display there last night. The running game is in good hands. This offensive line is just trucking over people. And... uh and I got a lot to talk about with Swift, too. I thought he was impressive. I mean, I don't know how you could not think he was impressive. It's kind of stating the obvious. But, um, you know, beyond just his stats, I just I liked what I saw a lot from from Swift in terms of his running style. I never really paid a lot of attention to him in Detroit. I knew of him, of course. But, uh, but I just, you know, I think Swift has got a lot of talent and ability back there. So, uh, but getting back to Hurts, um however way you want to kind of break it down, whether it's the play calling that's just not getting this quarterback in sync and the offense in sync in general, or Hurts himself, who's just not looking good. He's just not. He's struggling. And it's a, a puzzling to try to figure out as to why that is. Um, I do think that there's definitely an impact in the changeover from Steichen to Brian Robinson, uh, I definitely think that the that this that that's not just a coincidence that all of a sudden Hurts is struggling um, with this new offense quarter. Even though he knows this guy and has known him from a kid, and we said that you know that the concerns maybe are just overblown because you know this guy has known Hurts since he was a kid and helped coach with his dad and all this kind of thing. All that being said, it's still it's still something that Robinson's never done before. He's never been an offensive coordinator. So it's a job that's new to him. Play calling is new to him. And I guess it might be too much to ask for him to just start right off the bat being a great play caller. Um, so, 
with a little bit of experience that he has. So I think he's a smart guy. I mean, he comes across to me as being a smart guy. And, and again, I got to give him credit for deciding to run the ball when he, they couldn't get anything going offensively again, the passing game yesterday, but let's, it hurts himself though. He's even the plays that he completed, like the first pass to, to Devante was underthrown. Now I looked at the replay and he really couldn't like fully step into the pass. Cause it looked like he was, there was a guy kind of falling forward at his knees. And I think that he, you know, kind of saw that. Uh, and, you know, was hesitant to kind of really stride into the throw. I have a feeling that's why that might have been a little bit underthrown. But even the second touchdown pass to Devontae, which was a better pass, was underthrown. I mean, Devontae still had to slow up to to catch it. Um, now, again, it wasn't a terrible throw. The second one, you know, it wasn't. And I don't know how the wind was. Maybe it got caught up in the wind a little bit. That's always possible. But it, it was definitely, I'm not saying that was a bad pass. But again, he didn't catch the wide receiver in stride down the field. Now, people always criticize, I mean, not people. There's the McNabb haters out there, which is, as much as it bothers me, a uh, contingency or a small part percentage of our, our fan base. Uh, one of the things that they always just forget is how great of a downfield passer McNabb was. He was deadly and lethal downfield. You can sit there and talk about the worm burners and he passing out to the flats and running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, he did not He did not throw those passes uh, all that great. And he always, even on the short crossing routes, he would always throw the ball 100 miles an hour to wide receivers. McNabb just had a killer arm. But downfield, McNabb was lethal on target, hitting wide receivers in stride all the time. Those of you who never saw McNabb play or um, – you know, I'm telling you, that's that's how good he was throwing down the field. Uh, Hertz has not shown that ability so far. He is he usually he usually is the wide receivers having to wait up for passes, and he's he's not certainly doesn't have a strong arm as McNabb, so we know that. Uh, but you just would like to see him either throw the ball sooner so he doesn't have to throw it as far down the field when the guys are open. Because on both of those plays, I mean, Smith had his guy smoked within the first 15 yards. I mean, he was already by him. So either throw the ball sooner so you don't have to throw it, launch it as far, and can catch him in stride so the wide receiver doesn't have to slow down. I guess should have been a f- touchdown, that first one. I mean, he was even more wide open, I think, in the first one than he was in the second one. He was wide open both times. But uh, that should have been a touchdown in that first, uh, you know, the 54-yard catch, whatever it was. Um, so that is actually my mo- least concern with Hurts, though. My biggest concern with Hertz is he's just not reading defense defenses effectively. His progressions, he is falling into old habits that I criticized him about uh, heading into last year, where I said, you know, he runs out of the pocket too soon and he always rolls to the right and he tries to make a play, tries to play Houdini. And a lot of times he's able to, but defenses ever since he had some success doing that, have cracked down on that. And plus you just take away half of the field when you start rolling out to the right all the time. So he's got, he's starting to get quick feet in terms of not sticking in the pocket and throwing the ball and also just not going through his progressions. 
Um, and that's regression. That's taking a step backwards. And that's not good to see. And it's a little bit of alarm, a little bit alarming. Um, so that's now, again, he didn't play in a preseason. And I'm going to keep hammering that because you could sit there and, and hear all the rave reviews that we did hear this pre uh, this uh, off season and through training camp of how great, I mean, how many times did you hear it? How great Hertz was looking in training camp. And that was the best that he's looked and all this. Well, I don't care how great. I mean, it's good to hear that he's doing good versus not. I'll give you that. But I've said this. Until there's live bullets out there and it's actually football, then they'll make my evaluation on how these guys are playing and how these guys are looking. And the fact that they don't play these guys in the preseason, I'll continue to harp on it. The Almost the entire month of September is preseason football. It's sloppy football. And this is not just the Eagles. This is across the league. Do you think the next time the Giants and the Cowboys face each other that the Giants are going to get blown out 40 to nothing? It's, it's, it's not going to happen because they're going to be both well into the season. Uh, I'm not trying to say that the Giants are better than Dallas. I don't I don't think it's that at all. But, you know, do you think Joe Burrow is going to throw for under 100 yards for the rest of the season? That's not going to happen either. I mean, it's, this is what I'm talking about. It's sloppy football. This is something that uh, this is the this is the result of teams not playing their starters during the preseason and them going out there for the first time and facing uh, you know live balls like I said and struggling and hurts. It's hard for me to figure out. I, well, here's the thing. I, I believe that that is part of the reason why hurts is struggling. But we're two games in now, and he's still – some of it is habitual, you know, and the him rolling out quick it has nothing to do with the preseason, I don't believe, or not playing in a preseason. That's more habitual, and he's starting to fall back on old habits by not trusting the pocket, not hanging in there in the pocket or stepping forward in the pocket like he did last year a lot of times, and he's got that quick – I'm going to run out to the right, scrambling, when sometimes he doesn't need to. Now, there are times when he needs to, you know, no doubt. But uh, uh, there's too many times that I've seen already in two games that he has just been too quick to jet out of the pocket and, uh, and uh, you know, and then uh, try to make a play. So that concerns me. It just does. And his inaccuracy also concerns me. You know, he's not been all that accurate either this year uh, so far. Now, again, it's it's early, and I, I feel that, you know, again, Hurts being the quarterback that he is and the leader that he is and the hard worker that he is, uh, I'm sure he's going to identify these uh, issues on tape and try to fix them. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that I expect him to improve on the, these things going forward. Um but it's just it is a little surprising that he's taken a step back in some of these some of these areas at least here through the first couple of games, uh, and I think that's certainly part of the reason why the offense is struggling. And the other part is the horrendous play calling, uh, you know, by uh, Brian Robinson and uh, you know, way too many hurts keepers again last night. Why they don't throw that out on the freaking playbook and only use it 
very sparingly is beyond me. They call the Hertz keeper way too much. And uh, it's aggravating. It's frustrating. And, and uh, I, I can't stand it. You know, you're going to get the guy killed. And, um, you know, it's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. You know, you got running backs, hand the ball off. I still don't like them always using the sneak either. You guys know I'm not a fan of the sneak. And I know it's effective, and I know that it works, and they can't stop it. I get all that. So use it on third down. You know, why use it on first down? Just hand it off and let the running back or call pass play or whatever. You know, and I know that probably goes against some conventional wisdom because it's like, hey, if you got a guaranteed touchdown play, then just do it. I get that. I do understand that. But you're doing it at risk. You know, you got all these huge 200, 300-pound guys falling on top of each other and pushing on each other. Uh, I'm just waiting for that injury to happen, knock on wood. To any, I'm not even just talking about Hurts. I'm talking about our offensive linemen. You know, it's just every time you keep piling up all these big guys on top of each other, you're asking for someone to get hurt. And I don't. You know, the Eagles rely way too much, I think, especially when they're running it on first down. There's no need to run that play on first down. Hand it off or call, call something else. You know, and I'm going to continue to pound on that. Uh, and I know it's an effective play. Like I said, I'm not <laughs> – nobody can stop it. I get that. But you're doing it at a risk of hurting some of our most key players. You even have got, you know, you even have, you know, AJ Brown and and, and Goddard and, and our running backs. Everybody's in this pile. Uh, just, uh, I would not be using it as early in the downs as the Eagles use it. I mean, that's that's really all I'm saying. You get to the third down, third down, and you still haven't punched it in yet, and you want to use it, then fine. But make some attempts to get it in more conventionally and a little bit less risky injury-wise than having your whole team piling on top of each other and the other team piling on top of your team. It's just it's, it's unnecessary. Um, okay. Next points. The television, of course, those of us watching the game, all saw the um, – Heated conversation on the sideline between A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Now, of course, the media loves to blow these type of things up. Um, and I would think that, um, well, here's my take on it. I saw it repeatedly. I also saw the statements. I haven't heard from A.J. Brown yet, but I heard from both Devontae Smith, uh, Coach Seriani, um, about what Transpired. Sirianni really want to talk about that at all, so you didn't get much out of him. You got a little bit out of um, Devonte, who was right there, and and Jalen also. Sorry about that, but uh, Jalen also talked about it a little bit as well. And to me, I mean, there there there's no doubt there's some diva because this is not the first time that AJ Brown has been kind of upset that he hasn't got the ball enough. So uh, he is definitely one of those wide receivers that is going to let it'd be known when he's not happy out there uh, because he's not getting the ball enough. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. Um, 
you know, you want your star players to want to be in the game. You know, I don't, you know, for the competitiveness, I, I think that's a good thing. You know, what you don't want is to become a, a problem. And I don't think that that particular instance needs to be blown out of proportion. He's not like he was on the sidelines throwing his helmet and having a hissy fit. You know, it looked like him and Jalen were, you know, having a conversation. Uh, yeah, it was a heated conversation because, you know, AJ was upset. And it looked like, you know, that Hertz was just saying, hey, listen, man, I got you. I got you. You know, don't, you know, chill out. I got you. Uh, or he understands or whatever. And these two guys, you got to remember, this isn't like McNabb and T.O. And when T.O. was just a complete jackass his whole career here. And I don't mean to take away his, his uh, you know, his skills as a wide receiver. I mean, T.O. was one of the greatest wide receivers of all time. But the guy's ego was, you know, 10 times bigger than his uh, attributes. And he was a total me player and could give a crap about uh, anybody else or, or disrupting the team chemistry, anything like that. I don't believe AJ is, is this is not even close to being something like that, that type of dynamic. First of all, uh, if you don't know, uh, AJ and Jalen Hurts are like best friends. These guys have known each other for a long time, well before um, they became teammates. And, uh, and so, you know, everyone always gets in little arguments with their, their the best friends. Or they're good friends. It happens, um, and uh, and you're able to get past it, you know. And uh, there's no, I don't feel there's any uh, friction or anything that's gonna uh, be, um, you know, anything that would last in terms of uh, or impact the uh, relationship between the two. It was just, hey, you know what? AJ Brown was upset. Jay went over and talked to him about it. Let them know that, hey, listen, man, I hear you. I got you. And uh, and it was really kind of settled at that point. Coach Seriani came over as well, just kind of play peacemaker a little bit. Uh, just tell him to just, you know, chill out as well and, and everything's going to be fine. And and I really don't uh, – I really am not going to make much more of it than, than that. And that's 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 how I and how I saw that whole uh, situation there. So, um, now, uh, DeMonte, by the way. Devontae Smith, who, as you know, if you listen to my the predictions uh, podcast a couple, couple uh, podcasts ago, I predicted that he would have a uh, more score more touchdowns than AJ Brown. Now, I mean that's early, but I mean right now, I just had a feeling this year that Devontae Smith would really take it off to the next level, and he is definitely doing that so far. Um, and so I'm not going to say to you know you know for a fact. Free if you listen to my prediction show, uh, that I'm not surprised that of what he's doing right now. Maybe there's some Eagle fans that are, but Devontae is definitely up this game. Uh, he had another huge game yesterday, uh, and he smoked his guy both times. Now, I know that Minnesota isn't the greatest defense in the world, so, uh, but I mean, those were two routes where he just absolutely blew by. Uh, the uh, corner that was defending him, and uh, and then of course made he had the uh, again have to adjust uh, on the first touchdown pa or the first pass uh, more so than the second one, but he had to adjust and slow down on the second one as well. But the first one he had to almost stop and turn around to catch that ball, uh, but he just catches everything too. That's the thing about you know 
Devante is he he's got great hands. I mean, he rarely drops a pass and uh, it's just impressive to see um, Devante uh, making the step this year. Already talked about Brian Robinson's play calling. Again, I give, do give him credit as much as I'm criticizing his play calling, which I just think has been horrendous at, at most of the time this year. Uh, is he did at least decide, you know what, we're going to run the ball. And then he stuck with it because he was having success with it. So um, good job by him in that respect. So the Eagles went into this game, as we know, with major injuries on a defense. And... You know, Bradbury was out, the starting corner. Nicobe Dean, of course, we know was out for a month. Blankenship did not uh, play, and Maddox ended up getting hurt. Uh, by the end of the first quarter, early in the second quarter, uh, he was out of the game with a shoulder injury. Think about Maddox is, as, as good of a player as he is, it's starting to get old with all of his injuries. He just, this guy just doesn't seem to be able to stay healthy. He's always hurt. And he plays a physical game, and he's very impactful. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating because he's very good. He's a very good player. He's a good cover guy. He's, he's a good hitter. He plays physical. And it's just he's never on the field. And, again, yesterday leaves the game early uh, with a shoulder injury after he makes a tackle. So – Oh, it's just tough. It's it's just you love to see this guy because he's so good, but man, he's always hurt. And uh, so they had to, of course, already shorthanded on the secondary yesterday because of the injuries to Blankenship and Bradbury had to adjust and move things around. And the uh, Eagles were able to get through it, but it's I don't think it's any surprise that Kirk Cousins threw for 360 yards or whatever it was and four touchdowns because the Eagles' secondary was completely depleted other than Slay out there. Um, so, you know, in order if you're able to win these games when you're, uh, you know, you've got four defensive starters out, I mean, that's, that's always a good thing. You just want to win these games, and the wins are always the most important. Uh, to uh, to do you just you'd love to win in complete dominant fashion, but the Eagles are just not playing that well right now. In order to do that, uh, and the fact that they're not playing up to par, and still have two wins, one on the road against a really good defense, uh, we should all be pretty happy about that. And I am. So let's always keep it in perspective. Uh, as frustrating as it is to watch these Eagles games uh, right now when they're not. To, you know, firing at all cylinders, especially offensively and dealing with a lot of injuries on defense, there's still a lot of really good that's happening here. We talked about Demonte Smith already. Um, and then um, the defensive line continues to just eat up the uh, offensive lines that they are have been against now two straight games. They're not getting a ton of sacks, but no doubt they are – beating on the quarterback. I mean, Cousins last night got his ass kicked. And you got to give Kirk Cousins. I know he takes a lot of heat across the league in the NFL, but I have a lot of respect for Kirk Cousins. I personally do. I mean, this is a guy who always puts up good numbers. And, yeah, he doesn't win in the big games. He has not proven he can do that. Uh, 
there's no doubt that that is a valid criticism of Kirk Cousins. But at the same time, this guy took a takes a beating. He doesn't have a good offensive line. Really, has never had an offensive line in his career, even with the uh, when he was playing with Washington and uh, and with the Vikings. They haven't had a good offensive line since he's been there. I think last year the, they mentioned on the show or on the broadcast that he was hit the most times, and the guy never misses a game. So he's a tough guy. He guts it out. He never gives up. And, and those are nice attributes I have out of a quarterback. Whether you want to, you know, criticize him or not, you have to respect him for that. And, uh, again, last night was no different. Um, he kept the team in the game. He took a beating. I mean, Josh Sweat was killing him last night. Uh, Sweat, by the way. Again, another prediction of mine. I said he was going to lead the team in sacks. And uh, right now he's, he, I think he's tied with Jordan Davis, actually. Um, which uh, we'll talk about Davis in a minute. So um, now let's talk about uh, DeAndre Swift. I was excited, like I think most of us fans were, when the Eagles made that trade uh, for Devontae Smith or uh, DeAndre Smith, Swift rather. Can't get his name right. Um, and after the first game, when you saw Gainwell get all those touches, you were kind of like, hmm, that's. Why, why is Gainwell like suddenly the number one? Now we're hearing out of camp that Gainwell was getting most of the, the touches, but I don't know if anyone, I didn't believe that he was going to be our number one running back. And like, you know, so it was kind of shocking that against the Patriots, he was like the number one running back and, and they hardly ever used, they hardly used Scott. They didn't even uh, activate Penny and Swift got like a pass thrown to him. And I think one carry, um, so he was very minimally used, and it was all Gainwell. And Gainwell had an in, uh, you know a rib injury, and that's why he missed yesterday's game. And Swift clearly was the number one guy, uh, and they gave him the ball twenty eight times. I can't remember the last time a Eagles running back got twenty eight carries. I don't even think Miles Sanders in his entire Eagles career got twenty eight carries. Maybe once. Um, so they really. Uh, you know, utilize Swift, and he was awesome to watch. Uh, he does remind you, and I know they mentioned this on the broadcast about Shady McCoy, or maybe it was post game. I heard it. I'm not sure if the broadcast did, but someone someone made a reference to you know he reminds me of Shady McCoy, and that's as high a praise as you can give a running back because I mean I watched whole, Shady's entire career here, and it's a phenomenal running back, and. Uh, and he does. He does have similar cutting ability and vision that McCoy had. Um, he does. That's not an exaggeration, and it's not an unfair comparison. I'm not saying he's as good as Shady McCoy is. I'm not going to go that far. But he does have that kind of uh, slithering, quick cutting, quick decision, shoot, you know, ability that we all saw in McCoy, and. One of the runs that I can that I can point to that kind of was like a signature McCoy run was his touchdown run when he uh, took the ball and went over across the left tackle and then just did a quick cut inside uh, to score the touchdown and there was a couple other runs but that was that was a, like a shady like run for sure it almost looked like shady running the ball that's how similar it was 
Um, and, you know, he had that one long run that kind of iced the game, too, where he really broke it down the field for like 30-something yards um, and had ended up with 175 yards rushing on 28 carries. I mean, he was – he was awesome. And it was a great story with him as the, you know, in the home opener, a local kid from Philly. And, uh, you know, so it was, it was nice to see. And he seems like he's a very humble player too. Like I, we're, I'm just getting to know the guy for the first time. And, and um, I don't know. I can't remember if I was hearing rumors in Detroit, reason why he um, didn't, they didn't like him or they didn't want to keep him there. Cause it really is puzzling why Detroit, gave up on him so soon other than, you know, he was injured a lot, but um, they really kind of did and never really got a reason for that. And you were hearing rumblings, whether he wasn't like a team guy and stuff like this, you know, you start and you don't even know who the sources are, where it's coming from, or it's just, it's just people just putting stuff out there to get clicks. Um, but to me, every interview I've seen him in, he seems like he's a team guy. He seems like a very likable guy. He's always very professional and polite to everyone who's interviewing him. And I just, the guy seems like he's a really, really just decent guy on top of being a, a very talented running back. So I'm definitely, definitely interested in, in, in Swift being the number one going forward. I mean, they really should make him the number one. Gainwell has never been a number one guy to me. Um, he's just not, that's just not his game. He's much better coming in as a change of pace, different, you know, and being more of a receiving back than being a guy to, to be the bell cow in an offense. Um, Swift is much more, um, you know, the earmark of that type of, uh, that type of running back. So, and then Penny comes in and just gets a couple of carries. And we found out that that was the only reason why they played him was because Boston Scott got injured. So I don't know how I have got a report on Scott's injury. I don't know how bad it is or whatnot, but that's the only reason why we saw Penny. So for like the second game in a row, at least he was suited. We knew he was going to be suited up this game because, you know, Gainwell wasn't. But they may not have used Penny again for the second straight game at all if Scott didn't get injured. Scott was the one who was coming in whenever they just wanted to spell Swift and give him a little breather. It was not Penny, even though he was suited up. So Penny – clearly is the number four running back in this team. Um, so, which is kind of surprising. It's almost like, why is he here? You know, I can almost see the Eagles trading him uh, at some point this year to a team that, you know, might lose a running back. Because, um, I mean, I don't understand why he's here. They, they don't use him. They clearly he's number four in this, on this team. Um. So Dallas Goddard, I was wrong in one of my predictions that I made, even though I was very close on the other two that I've already mentioned. But um, I saw, thought because of the fact that Goddard, you know, didn't have any catches and only targeted once against the Patriots, that he would be the uh, would make the first reception, whether um, it be the first target on the first play for the Eagles. They did pass the ball, so I was right on that. The, the first play was a pass, but it went to the for to Devontae Smith and not Goddard. So I was wrong in that prediction. But they did target him uh, early on uh, after that. They did go to Goddard. and uh, But he was very still, you know, still very, you know, nothing, nothing all that impressive in terms of numbers. I think he caught like three or four passes, like 20-something yards. Uh, so really, uh, 
Actually, I have his, his actual numbers right here. Let me just look at them really quick. So I give you his actual numbers. Oh, he did have seven targets. Okay, so he had seven targets, caught six of them, but only 22 yards. So he actually led the Eagles in in targets as well as receptions, but only had 22 yards, which is ungoddard-like. It really is. He's usually, um, you know, if he catches the ball six times, it's usually for at least like 60, 70 yards. So that was, you know, it was all very short passes to Goddard, um, which is kind of interesting how that worked. Uh, and really, outside of the two Smith plays, the Eagles did not pass it for many yards at all. And I think that's what's really concerning about Hurts. I mean, think about it, right? So Goddard had uh, 22 yards receiving. A.J. Brown had 29 yards receiving on uh, four receptions, was targeted six times. Swift had uh, three ca uh, targets, caught three for six yards. And Penny had one target, caught one for five yards. So you look at those numbers and inside those numbers, and outside of Smith, who caught four passes for 131 yards, I mean, those are horrendous passing numbers. You know, for the second straight game, Hertz has passed for under 200 yards. So, again, it gets back to Hertz being like, what's going on here? You know, they're winning games, but his the passing offense has been putrid outside of Devontae Smith. It really has. Um, Sipos averaged 37.5 on his punts. Not great, not terrible, not impressive. Uh, he's just not a great punter. I mean, it's just a fact. And Covey um, had a fumble and didn't do anything on his returns either. So, I mean, I've been an advocate of Covey, but I'm starting to lose that uh, pro Coveyness, if you will. Um, you know, I like the guy, but uh, at this point, I'm not going to try my eyes if they decide to go and get a punt returner or put somebody else in that role. I'm really kind of just done defending Covey, even though I am, you know, a Covey backer, or at least was. All right, so now over to the defense. And like I was saying, this defense is fun to watch. This defensive line is fun to watch. It really is. It's giving me flashbacks. And I'm not even kidding when I say this. And it's high praise that's coming right at you right now. But it is giving me flashbacks of the Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Jerome Brown line that the Eagles had when I was, uh, you know, back in the 90s. And, um, and that's as high as praise as I could ever give a defensive line. And I'm not saying they're that good yet. But I'm just saying that I'm seeing that type of potential. And I am seeing not even just potential. I'm seeing it during some of these games. Uh, that's how good this pass rush is really becoming. You're going to need to push up the middle with guys like Davis and Carter and Cox. And then the outside guys, especially Josh Sweat. Um, I think that uh, Reddick is getting being hampered by his thumb. And I expect him to come on as the season goes on. But once Reddick gets going, I mean, 
he's not even going yet, and this defense is just ripping apart offensive lines. And um, so I'm not kidding when I when I say that. I would not be throwing that type of comparison out uh, unless I meant it. And um, because I'm starting to see that type of pass rush. And nobody's as good as Reggie White on this team. Um, you know, so let's just, you know, <laughs> there's no Reggie White on this team. But I'm just saying the entire defensive line as a whole is starting to impact offenses and offensive lines and disrupting the quarterback. Uh, much like that, you know, Reggie White led team um, line back in the back in the nineties, and I'm, I don't do not throw that around lightly. Um, so that is an amazing compliment, as highest as I can give them, and let's just hope that continues and they continue to get better. I mean, it's it's starting to get that good. It really is, and this defense is creating turnovers as much as they're getting blitzed. You know, by both Mac Jones as well as uh, Cousins in two straight games. Quarterbacks have been able to throw on this Eagles team pretty easily. Um, They're getting turnovers. They're creating a lot of turnovers. Four more to yesterday. Uh, Great effort on the turnover by um, uh, Justin Jefferson. That's probably more on Jefferson than than it is on Edmonds, but you got to give Terrell Edmonds credit for the effort of getting over there and and not making uh, and make it you know just basically creating that turnover, um, so that was a big play because the Vikings were going to take the lead if Justin Jefferson got in the end zone on that play that uh, that he fumbled the ball through the end zone, so that was great great effort by Terrell Edmonds. So I give him a lot of credit for that because um, I know I've been kind of hard on that guy. Um, at points uh, since they've acquired him. Uh, Jake Elliott, 61-yarder. I was at his last or his first 61-yarder. That was the one against the Giants in the Super Bowl year. Um, and I think that was Elliott's rookie season, I believe. Um, and he hits another 61-yarder. Uh, the guy is... I believe, and I made this statement yesterday, uh, that he's the second best to me. I know there's a lot of good kickers in the league. So this could be a little bit of Eagles bias. All right, I'll admit to that. But I think he's the second best kicker in football. Uh, Nobody's as good as Justin Tucker of the Ravens. Uh, I think that guy is almost in a league of his own. But I do think that you can at least make an argument that uh, Jake Elliott is the second best kicker in the league. And, you know, he's got a leg, man. That 61-yarder, he had a good four, five, six yards to go on that one, too. I mean, he he drilled it. And um, I like Jake. I think he's a good guy, and he's a great kicker. And that was a big-time uh, three points that you get right before halftime when basically the Eagles could have just ran out the clock with 25 seconds left or whatever it was. And uh, But they had uh, – they got a couple big runs from – Scott, and then uh, Hertz did a little uh, little run to get another six or seven yards. They could make it at least uh, a possible for Jake's arm to get in there, and or Jake's leg rather. And uh, Jake uh, nailed it, sixty-one yarder right for the half. It was um, it was awesome. He, he's he's a you know the Eagles are fortunate to have a kicker like that. 
want to point out also that uh, we were thinking that with Nicobe Dean out, that uh, Christian Ellis would be the the main uh, linebacker that would, you know, replace him. And Christian Ellis was hardly on the field. <laughs> Enter Nick Morrow, who, as we know, played um, minimal in the first game. And actually, no, he wasn't even in the first game because he was still in the practice squad. So here's a guy who played during the preseason and was the offseason acquisition from the Bears. And he was a starter with the Bears, so he's got a lot of starting experience, way more than Ellis does. And the Eagles decided to go with the experience over Ellis. And basically, Nick Morrow was the starter. In fact, he had the, the green dot in his helmet, so he's the one that was calling the defensive signals. And Morrow played well. He really did. I thought he, he first of all, he recovered that fumble. Um, so that was uh, kind of to be Johnny on the spot there and his awareness. That was nice. And there was another play where he was like single coveraging against Justin Jefferson and made the play. Uh, Jefferson uh, was an incomplete pass. I mean, that's, that's shocking um, that you have a linebacker on – Justin Jefferson to begin with. I don't know what the heck happened on that scheme or whatever, but but nevertheless he made the play and he played very well. So and I've kind of liked Morrow. I don't I don't know why he kind of got in a doghouse in this team. Um you know, I liked his statistically, you know, what he showed last year in Chicago. I didn't watch him. It's not like I watched the Bears games. Um, but I, I kind of just liked Morrow and I just didn't understand why he was, you know, released and then re-signed to the practice squad and, and just back on the practice squad without even being active on game day uh, outside of this injury uh, opportunity uh, with Nicobe Dean. So I expect that Morrow will be the uh, you know starting linebacker with uh, Cunningham going forward and Ellis will be the you know the next guy in. Um, that's that's my expectation anyway going forward. Anyway, I thought Morrow played really well and wanted to point that out. Justin Evans also. Justin Evans is another guy that uh, a lot of people have been hard on, including me. I, I, I said that they should start Brown in this game because you didn't hear Evans' name at all much against Patriots. But Evans definitely uh, made his made his presence be felt in this game. Um, he had the strip um, of the fumble that I was just talking about that uh, that uh, Morrow recovered. Uh, that was Evans that did that. Um and uh, I think he didn't he also get one of the uh, fumble recoveries or something. Uh, I forget now, but I think he was involved in another one of the turnovers. So, and I thought he also played pretty well in coverage and stuff like that. So, uh, I thought Evans. I have him an up arrow uh, for the game. So good job by him out there. I, I already talked about uh, Edmonds and uh, the hustle play that he had on the uh, Jefferson fumble in the end zone after his reception. Uh, Josh Job, I thought, you know, he's the one that came in and um, replaced uh, Bradbury for this game. I didn't see – I wasn't all that impressed by him. I know he's a pretty decent player, so I understood why they gave him that starting uh, job here uh, for this game. But uh, I thought he was beaten on uh, a few different plays and, uh, you know, yet Addison. I don't think – I can't remember if he was covering Addison on that uh, touchdown or not, um, but, you know, 
he just, I think Hawkinson, he was definitely covered by one of those plays, I believe, if I remember right. But Hawkinson, I knew was going to have a big play. Uh, you guys, if you listen to my pre, pre-game sh- uh, podcast, my last podcast, I said that he was going to be the guy uh, that they would kill the Eagles in this game, and he was. So, uh, listen, when you tune in to Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff, I know what I'm talking about. I mean, let's face it. I got the I got the facts. All I got to do is go back and just uh, listen to my pregame, and you'll hear some of the predictions I made about this game that were dead on, including almost nailed the score. So, uh, listen, this is why you guys tune in, and I appreciate it very much. I really, really do. Thank you for for listening as always. But I uh, try to bring as much knowledge as I can, and uh, you know those those two I really hit on. I definitely hit on the score. I was very very close to it. I predicted it would be 33 to 30 win. The Eagles won 34 to 28. And I predicted that Hawkinson would be the guy that was going to be uh, uh, the scoring machine in this one. I did also one of my other, because I listen, I'll tell you when I was wrong too. One of the predictions I was wrong is I, I almost, I did guarantee that Jefferson would score in this game. And, uh, and he did not. The Eagles actually held him out of the, the end zone again. I mean, he, he almost scored, and of course, in a fumble through the end zone. But he did uh, still have, uh, nevertheless, have a dominant game, you know, 150 yards receiving. He had uh, 159 yards receiving on 13 targets, caught 11 of them. So he still he still destroyed the Eagles. But uh, uh, but it was um, Hawkinson who, uh, who, you know, who had two of the touchdowns. Um, one of the down arrows also, and I hate to say this because, you know, guy, you guys know I love the guy, is Sidney Brown. I didn't see him out there that much. And when I did, there was one play that was like, wow, it's just – there was one play and it was early in the game when there was a guy coming down. I don't know. It was like a reception down to like the five or six-yard line. It was one of the drives that, that uh, Vikings had. And he like bounced – he like went in to tackle the guy. He was being tackled by another eagle, and then he went in to give him a pop – and then kind of like bounced off him and then just stood there looking at him. And I was like, that just didn't seem like, I don't know why he, like usually he goes and blows a player up and he just seemed hesitant to even hit the guy, which I don't know. It was strange, but I, I give, I'm giving him a down arrow because of that play. And in fact, I just didn't see him out there that much. Um, and when he was out there, he didn't really do much. So um, not trying to be too hard on Sidney Brown. I just, you know, I saw what I saw, and I'm gonna give him, give him a thumbs down. And Covey, of course, like I said, thumbs down on him for the fumble uh, on his uh, on his punt return. So here's the thing: now the Eagles have a break. They have kind of a mini buy. It's actually an extended mini buy because they don't play next now until Monday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers down in Tampa. That's a team, as I mentioned in the. Uh, in my prediction show for the season that the Eagles just never play well against Tampa down there. And so I don't see them losing. I didn't predict them to lose the game, but that's going to be a tricky game. You know, again, it's going to be down in Tampa on a Monday night and the Eagles should definitely win the game. Talent wise, they're a much better team, but again, we're not talking about a team right now that's firing on all cylinders offensively at all. There's still a lot of problems going on here with Jalen and the play call. I think it's at least we found a running back. You know, we, we, you know, Swift, I expect them to be the number one going forward. I can't see how they can, you know, make Gainwell, who I would think he's going to be back by that game, 
I mean, unless he's got broken ribs, which I have not heard reported. Um, so, you know, you expect Greenwell to be back for that game. And uh, some of these players will be able to heal up here. Um, and most of them I would expect, I mean, definitely, unless he has any repercussions, uh, you'd expect Bradbury to be back, certainly. Uh, Maddox, we're trying to figure out what's going on. We know it's shoulder injury, but I don't know how bad it is yet. Probably get that report either today or tomorrow, uh, the extent of his injury. Um, but uh, I think Gainwell, you can expect to be back. And um, and uh, as well as uh, Bradbury, for sure. And then Blankenship as well. You know, so ribs can be tricky. You know, I know they could linger, and especially if they're broken. I haven't heard that either one of them have broken ribs. But uh, ribs can still be painful to play with. And uh, But you would think that this is a pretty pretty extended period of time now. They don't play until next Monday night. Uh, you would expect both of those guys to be back, Blankenship and Gainwell. And then hopefully Maddox's injury is not uh, too bad either, and he's going to be able to, uh, you know, he'll be okay. But uh, from what I understand, that might be an injury that, that keeps him out a little bit. And I don't have any report on it yet, just from some feedback that I've read from reporters who I don't know if they have heard something or not, but some of them said it didn't look all that great in terms of, uh, you know, his shoulder injury, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not trying to say that he's going to be out because I don't know. We're going to find out. Um, you know, how bad and severe that, that shoulder injury for Maddox was. So the Eagles, nevertheless, we are 2-0. and And, you know, that's obviously a good thing. Especially, like I said, the Eagles are not playing uh, all that well offensively. And Hurts has yet to get, really get it going here. Um, so we got to hope that Hurts, you know, figures things out and this offense – uh, figure things out in terms of play calling. One thing we figured out, though, is the running game. I think we found the number one running back to go with the rest of the season uh, in Swift. I think he's got to be the number one. Um, you know, I just feel that that is obvious at this point after that game. Uh, so hopefully the Eagles are in line with that uh, train of thought. So pretty long recap here, but there was a lot to talk about. And uh, we have a little bit of break now, but uh, I will certainly have a podcast. We're certainly going to do a pregame, of course, before the um, before the Tampa game. But what I will probably do with my next podcast is talk about the rest of the NFC East in particular and how they fare this weekend. I didn't get a chance to talk much about their opening uh, weekend games. You know, the uh, Dallas crushing the Giants, you know, 40 to nothing. That was Surprising in a sense, but not so surprising. So we'll get to that. Uh, the Washington and see how you know how they're playing. Uh, so that's probably what we'll do. We'll do a uh, we'll do an NFC East type focus podcast uh, next. Probably do that maybe early part of next week, and then we'll do the pre uh, preview contest there for the Tampa Bay game coming up. So um, you can expect that going forward. But either way, like I said, we're the first two and team in the NFL. Eagles may be flying a little bit with a broken wing right now, but hey, we're flying. And we're in first place at 2-0, heading into Tampa next week. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And until next time, fly, Eagles, fly. Make sure you share, subscribe, follow, rate, and all that kind of thing. And we'll see you next time. Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff.